This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? I'm Ray Harkins, and you're listening to 100 Words or Less, the podcast. And uh, we're back with another week of insightful and interesting discussions with people in and around the independent music scene, and maybe more specifically within the punk, hardcore, indie rock, you know, stuff that is uh, below the radar, but then also, you know, kind of above the radar, because after all, this whole underground scene uh, can only stay underground for so long, right? Thanks to Green Day back in 1994. Or Offspring. Thanks, guys. No, I'm just kidding. But anyways, the guest this week is Mr. Andy Othling. He plays a project called Lowercase Noises. And uh, for those of you that have paid close attention to the show, know that that name might sound familiar. But he provides the intro, outro music for the show. And he has been doing so for the past, uh, I don't know, two or three months. So if you like that sort of ambiance, guitar soundscape stuff listen to this because uh yeah andy's just an incredibly compelling person and uh his music is is unbelievable uh, more on him in a minute let's get some other musings and observations out of the way um so have you personally ever tried to fast you know tried to like drop food in some capacity whether or not it was like uh you know a juice cleanse or anything like that um i did a, a cleanse oh man or a fast. That's what it was. It was a fast. I think it was last year for five days. Uh, it was pretty intense, but at the same time, you also felt like you conquered food, and it was pretty incredible. And there's this product out here that uh, I'm sure some of you are, are somewhat aware of. It's called Soylent. And uh, this isn't a sponsored post or, <laughs> or ad read or anything like that, but I'm just so intrigued. And I, I, I think I've discovered why I am intrigued. So basically what Soylent is, is it's, a, it's kind of like a meal replacement thing um, where, you know, it's like 400 calories and you drink it. It's this nice, like thick sort of, you know, protein shake like stuff. But, uh, you know, it's not meant to uh, be focusing on weight loss or, you know, a protein boost or anything like that. It's basically supposed to be a complete meal in a bottle. And I think the reason that it's so compelling for me is because I find myself becoming very tired with decision making. And, you know, because every day we make so many decisions from like what shirt you're going to wear to, you know, uh, what uh, what shoes you're going to put on, like all these things just chip away at you as far as like your mental energy is concerned. And I find myself most happy when I just do the same stuff over and over. And I'm not talking about like, you know, my recreational activities or the same sort of, you know, repetitive work, but I find it to be so great to be like, oh, I, I know what I'm having for lunch. I'm having this, uh, this Soylent shake. It's spectacular. And, uh, you know, I, I eat basically one of the same two things for breakfast. And I know a lot of people will be like, yo, that sounds super boring. No, I love it. <laughs> I think it's incredible. And of course, like when I travel and, and, you know, visit people, I'm not like this. Oh no, I, I need to only eat this one or two thing, uh, you know, meal that I have, uh, in order to feel like I'm happy. It's like, no, I eat real food and I eat, uh, granted, I, I have real food for breakfast and then I have a little Soylent thing for, for lunch. Um, but anyways, I just, do you find yourself becoming super tired of decisions? I know it sounds pretty weird and maybe ridiculous to some of you because you're like, dude, how hard is it to, you know, make a choice? But it's like when you add it all up over the course of a day, 
it's a lot of decisions. So anyways, I just wanted to throw that out there for those of you that uh, are interested in, um, I don't know, just uh, life life discussion points. So anyways, like I said, I would talk about Andy and uh, this is what I'm going to do right now. So uh, I met Andy through a variety of different circumstances. Uh, he did some work with a producer I manage and then people actually emailed this show to be like, hey, you should bring Andy Othling on. He does a project called Lowercase Noises. And I was like, this is really weird because basically multiple inputs from different people that you don't wouldn't necessarily talk to one another told me about this person. And then I've come to realize that I have listened to his music, I don't know, it was maybe like three or four months prior, but I did not make the connection that he was the same person that was emailing me <laughs> to have one of my producers mix his project. So once I put it all together, I was like, man, I got to talk to this dude. Him and I started to get to know one another. And full disclosure, him and I work on a sort of, you know, his uh, business side of the music stuff. But uh, I would have had him on the show regardless because I find his uh, his story incredibly compelling. So we got to know one another. And then I was just like, this is a perfect outlet for you because he's... um. You know, most people would assume a, a guy creating music by himself is like a total introvert, and uh, we discuss that a lot in this interview, uh, but he's not. I mean, he's a very engaging and uh, compelling individual, and so anyways, enough front-loading. Here's our, our really, really insightful discussion about music, creativity, and so much other stuff that I think a lot of you are going to find uh, some pretty cool meaning out of. So here's my discussion with Andy, and I will talk to you after the jump. Or the jump, meaning the end of the episode. The thing that I noticed about what it is that you do is that the people become emotionally attached to you. (laughs) Like, (laughs) because obviously the music that you create is very. you know, emotional, like people can listen to it in many different settings and be affected by it. Mm. Um, because you are obviously a, a, I'm going to paint a picture of, you know, being a solitary person out in yeah. the, the, the desert of Albuquerque. Uh-huh. Like it, was it weird when you first started to get, I guess, f- like just feedback in general, like people being like, Hey, I really like this. And you're like, Oh, like, or how, how did that kind of start um, to manifest itself? I mean, it, yes and no. I mean, it because all I'm really trying to do is um, recreate feelings that I feel. So when people say I f- feel something, I'm like, well, good, because that's the point. Right. But but the thing that's weird about it is, um, and simultaneously the thing I like about it is people feel wildly different things about the same piece, which is what I like about this style of music is it's a blank slate for people to be like, this made me feel incredibly peaceful and happy. And then someone else says about the same thing, this is an incredibly melancholy piece of music. Mm-hmm. And those are both completely valid interpretations of the same thing. Right. And it's not even necessarily what I was trying to recreate when I made the piece. So, it, it, uh, but yeah, so it's weird and not weird at the same time. Right. Or, yeah, I guess the, the, uh, because obviously since you're a single solitary unit that there is this uh you know people because they place so much meaning and emotion is loaded into it like people are going to come at you <laughs> like yeah, yeah and like in, in in a positive way yeah. in many respects but like the because of the solitary nature of what it is that you do like was it uh was it initially uh, maybe not overwhelming but just initially kind of like 
oh, like the the tap has been turned on, and like that's kind of you know genie's well, out of the bottle. <laughs> yeah, I I would honestly say no. Like there was never a moment where it's like all of a sudden I've I've never had one of those all of a sudden moments where it's like oh my gosh this happened because mm-hmm. everything's been such a slow burn. Sure. For so there was never like a day where all of a sudden I'm like oh there's all these people emotionally <laughs> reacting to my thing. Right. Um, I can't handle that. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, so it's, luckily, I, I feel it's to my advantage that everything has moved so slowly that um, I've been able to handle the little incremental jumps as it goes. So right. I, can, I can't say, I mean, there's definitely been things that weird me out, but the, in terms of at least people sharing their emotional experiences, that has always been a welcome experience and not an overwhelming experience because that's ultimately what I want mm-hmm. uh, from this. Sure. So, yeah, no, well, that, that, I mean, that's good because yeah, yeah, you, you definitely, there is something that's so, um, uh, scary. Like once you do start to get like any sort of waves of feedback and like if you run into that wall where it's like, oh gosh, I don't know how to handle that. And then, you know, it, that obviously it could affect your art from that perspective. Right. Too. Well, and it's different for me too, because if, if there were lyrics, someone could say, man, this made me think of this. Right. And, I mean, maybe a lyricist would be like, well, that's not even remotely close like you didn't understand it like Mm -hmm. there's no way for me to say you didn't understand it because you can understand it however you want and maybe lyricists can say that same thing too i honestly don't know because i'm not that's not a skill set of mine sure right (laughs) writing lyrics for songs so um maybe that's not a great comparison but you know what i mean right right um the the thing that also struck like as we started to get to know each other the thing that also struck me about you um, you're, even though, you know, obviously you just made fun of yourself in regards to, you know, lyricists and like not having the skill set to do that. You're, uh, you're very eloquent and intelligent in the way that you like express yourself. Like, I don't feel you, uh, tripping over your words or I don't feel that you are, I mean, everybody does it to a certain extent, obviously, uh-huh. but I, I was just impressed by like, yo, like you seem to have your shit together. Like, and not like I was expecting you to be some sort of train wreck or like some sort of stunted individual where it's just like, I can't look people in the eye. Like, you know, uh, but, uh, you just seem to be a thoughtful, pensive person. Like, has that been kind of a through line for you or is that something that is just kind of, um, maybe inherent in the music that you create? Um, I don't really know. So I feel like there's been sort of a tension for me because, um, I'm a very introverted person mm-hmm. and I, I think there's been a, a learning slash growth curve where my mom growing up was very, she's very introverted and it saw that in me at a young age and was very conscious to teach me about my introversion. And so it was like, you can, it's good for you to say no to people. It's good for you to isolate yourself to uh, recharge. Got it. So those things were instilled in me from a young age. Um, but there are, um, so I think realizing that makes it so that and I, I, I do think I'm going to bring this around to the, the articulateness you think I have, but <laughs> sure. Um, but we'll, yeah, we, we could take our time. To get I, there. But I just think it, it helped me be confident in, in who I am and my personality. So I just, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I'll tell you what I think and what I am because I, right. I know I'm very aware of how I think and what I think. And, um, I, but I don't know where the exactly 
that skill set, if I have it, comes from my dad. The thing that's cool about my parents is my mom is an artist. She's a pastel painter. Mm -hmm. And my dad is like a manager in a company. And he's like super good at running meetings and doing logistical stuff. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I got an equal portion of both of them. So maybe what happened is I got my mom's artistry and my dad's just ability to get shit together and be like, I, I'm going to tell you what I think and I don't want to say it in more words than I need to and let's get this done. And Right. You want to be efficient about it. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, I mean, that that's a very, uh, that's an interesting juxtaposition because obviously you see so many people that, that um, you know, whatever the illusion that so many people have so many great ideas, but they can't execute it or mm-hmm. so many people have the, the business prowess, but then have like no creative spark whatsoever. So it's like, you right. know, it, it's hard to kind of make those two worlds balance into one another. Um, but I, I like the, the thread I wanted to pull on there was the, the fact that like, I mean, it sounds like you were <laughs> given tools mm-hmm. to, uh, to understand what it like, what it was and who you are at a relatively early age, which that that's like, that's, that's pretty good on your parents to be able to like not oh, only yeah. recognize that, but to like give you uh, methods in which to address right. that. And one of my favorite memories in high school was my mom being, realizing that I was being invited to social situations that I didn't want to go to. And she was just like, you can use me as your excuse. Like, just tell them I said you can't go to that thing. Really? So it was, and, it was like like parties yeah, or something. Yeah. yeah. And just like friends doing things. I was like, I don't want to do that. I just want to be alone tonight. And she's like, tell them I said you couldn't go. I don't care if they hate me. Just right. Just say, yeah, I'm your scapegoat. Yeah. Right. And that was like, that was so freeing. Cause like, I don't have to do, and I don't even have to have it be on me. Right. <laughs> so totally. I felt so free. You're like it's not guys, it's not my fault. Yeah. Sorry. I literally can't do anything. About yeah. My this. bummer mom told I me I can't like, go out tonight. Geez. She's the worst. Right. Right. Whereas <laughs> I'm like, she's the best. Right. <laughs> you know, moms, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, and br- I've brothers and sisters. Uh, one sister. Younger, correct? Two years or, younger. Two yeah. years younger. Um, and the, the, the sort of family structure that you had, like, I mean, you come from a religious household, like what sort of, I mean, it sounds like your parents obviously were very uh, supportive over you guys. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, re- the religious part of it didn't start until we were in like middle school. Okay. So it was sort of a late onset religious upbringing. Sure. <laughs> like, like late onset, like all of a sudden like, Hey, here it is. Yeah. Um, hey, we're going to church, guys. You ready? That's yeah. From my perspective, that's like, whoa, what? Okay, right, sure. What and what? What? What strain of uh, Christianity? Like some some um, version of it? It started off Episcopalian. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, I, I was born and raised like Christian Lutheran, but I don't know anything about Episcopalian. Like, yeah, as as, it's very liturgical. Got it. Um, I guess it could, and I'm not. An, I don't know. Sure. So I'm going to say things that might be wrong, but <laughs> sure. I mean, similar looking to Catholicism, but not. Okay. So, you know, reading from the book, of, book of prayers, Got saying it. the Nicene Creed, saying that every, you know, all the things sitting, standing up, sitting down, singing this thing every Sunday. So it looks in that sense, in terms of the like way a service goes, it's like that. Got it. Okay. Um, but without, a lot of other stuff in Catholicism. So sure. I, I'm sure a lot of people could tell you. Yeah. There's a lot of, new, right. There's right. a lot of nuances to each and every strain, sure. but like that's, yeah. From yeah. your observations. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the, uh, in, is your, is your sister outgoing or is she would like, would you consider kind she, of, 
she's yeah i think what what kind of happened is i ended up being more like my mom and my sister ended up being more like my dad personality wise uh, okay so she is more just on yeah sure more outgoing and like a, sure of herself and kind of seemingly able to do more socially <laughs> right able to deal yeah sure it can can step into many situations where i would say so right yeah like you'd she, be like i'm not gonna go there right she does she teaches yoga and is like crazy fitness thing i'm just like I, that's not me right and just like very i don't know sure of herself and cool. sure <laughs> right you're like i'm not there yeah um and the and this was all around Albuquerque, correct? Mm-hmm. So like you're you're like you were physically born in the city, and like, no, I was okay. not born there. Okay. I was born in Phoenix. My dad was in the Air Force, so we moved around a lot. So I was, got it. Uh, born in Phoenix, moved to Miami, Florida, moved then to Dallas, then to Albuquerque. What age did you land in Albuquerque? Um, second grade. 1992. Okay. I'd never know what age that was. I just know what grade I was in. Sure, sure. So. Yeah, that's a good yep. representative <laughs> yeah. year marker. Um, and the, I mean, uh, Albuquerque has so much um, uh, that goes into that city just because, I mean, obviously with the reason, I mean, all the stuff we've been discussing from, you know, Breaking Bad and all mm-hmm. that sort of uh, people paying attention to the city in more ways than it ever kind of has been uh, in the past. I, I presume. I mean, you're obviously still there, so you enjoy the city. Yes. Um, what what things do you enjoy about it that you kind of like wave the banner of where it's like sure. Albuquerque's the real deal? Yeah. Well, I just w- one thing I always say about Albuquerque is I just love how I can drive 30 to 45 minutes in any direction and then be in the middle of nowhere. Like I, I've gotten to the point where I need that. And so like I, you know, I just did this tour um, in March. And, you know, we're driving with the West Coast and I just, you're driving for two hours and you're just in suburbs. You're still, I'm like, I'm still in a suburb. I'm still, there's right. still all these people around and I can't get away from them. So it's, it's, sure. it's kind of the, the, I guess it's the introversion on a larger scale. It's like, I need to know that I could very quickly be in the middle of nowhere. Right. And I, I the other thing I love is that the desert being so dry and open that I can see for so long it makes me feel so small. And like Albuquerque has some cool geological features in the sense that the city proper is in like a rift Valley. So there's the mountains sweeping up in the East and then there's like a Mesa to the West. Mm -hmm. And so you have these amazing views from wherever you are. So you can be on the West side of the city and you're just looking up at the mountains. They're sloping up in front of you or you're in the foothills on the East and you're looking out over these amazing mesas. So you just have these great views wherever you are and there's no, brush obstructing or tons of trees everywhere obstructing your views of everything so right. the, the the openness the bigness the space is my favorite thing about it right and in the past couple of years i've really gotten into beer and we have really good beer in albuquerque sure right Which is, it's it surprises benefit. people because they're like really it's not san diego like no we have really good beer right yeah yeah we we know how to make that stuff out here yeah. too and the uh uh the the, the nature of the because uh, obviously usually a lot of the of desert places have you know like desert people where it's just like the, you, you know whether it's like like Star Wars like the sand people right or like you know like the, the a redneck vibe like there's there's a lot uh-huh. of um yeah, I'm trying to think I wouldn't call it like outlaw element but like there is that like, like the Wild West right there's that element of like most desert cities um like is that something you feel 
is contained at all in Albuquerque or is it more so of just kind of like, well, this is just like a very big flat city with, um, you know, some really you know, interesting highlights. There's certainly lots of different types of areas. Like there's scary areas and there's not scary areas and there's outskirts where people are like, wow, this is, I can't believe you live this way. Right. People might think that that about me cause I actually live on the other side of the mountains in kind of a forest area and away from the city. Right. Um, but, there's certainly lots of within, I mean, saying it's just like a desert city is not that representative because we do have the Rio Grande running through. So there's like the bosky area where it's like very green and wet, mm-hmm. which is weird. Um, just a strip along the river. So that's a completely different area versus the west side where the Mesa is versus the east side where the foothills are. And you got so there's just lots of cool little areas and different types of people doing different things. Right, right. Um, and then because, uh, like you mentioned the, obviously the introversion and the fact that, um, you know, you were given tools, so you knew how to kind of like cope with that to a certain extent. I'm not mm-hmm. saying cope, like it's like some issue, but just like right. the understanding of it. Um, like, was it difficult for you to kind of, uh, like find friends or like find, uh, you know, people that you were into the same things for, or was it just like, like, no, I just, I just had a select group of people that I hung out with. Um, I don't know. I don't remember ever. I I feel like whoever the people were around who were doing the same thing I was doing mm-hmm. I, was en- was always enough for me. And I, no, I don't I don't have any recollection of feeling lacking in that area. I I don't I I'm mostly of the opinion that the more people you add to a thing, the worse that thing gets. So like I'm always fine with like a core group of two or three people yeah. that I'm like close to and. Uh, the one thing that I I sort of don't like about myself is I'm very proximity based with friends. So, you know, as soon as high school ended, I basically didn't talk to any of those people ever again. As soon as college ended, I basically didn't talk to any of those people again. So right. it's just like I'm purely I don't have the mental energy to keep up with. Oh, you're now over here. I just I, I just that's too I far. I can't. Right. Like you've got to be doing something with me and. We'd be the same. We got to occupy the same space. Yeah. And I just, I think there's a lot of things about me that I, my, this is the wrong use of the word and potentially offensive, but like <laughs> mentally disabled in the sense that I just, I, it gets filled up too quickly and I'm like, I can't do this thing anymore. Now that you're, I'm not good at being your friend now that you're not near me. Sure. So the, the, the tether, the tethers that are created from that are, um, it, it's it's difficult for you to maintain because like it, it I mean frankly it takes effort and yeah. like effort that is is out of your scope of of I guess willingness to be able to like I I like I just can't do that sure and you recognize it right and I I guess I'm more of a fan of like I'd rather have a very small amount of really close friends right than a lot of which. And maybe part of it is like, oh, I don't, how can I be a good friend if we don't see each other and we live in different states? Like, so I just, I just can't do that. Yeah. So, but then that's part of it. To counter that, there are probably people where it's like, you could drop back into. There are those people. Right. And the, it, to me, that's like the, the true definition of friendship where it's like, you don't see a person for 10 years, you spend two minutes catching up and then you yeah. drop right back into who it is you right. are with each other. Right. Which is good. Yes. Um, and so then as you, uh, you know, as you obviously started to, uh, matriculate through school, like was, was music always kind of the pull for you or was there, were there other things that you dabbled in that 
you were uh, drawn to? So, so there was, I mean, I was into sports through high school, mm-hmm. um, but music didn't, I started playing guitar in middle school. Why? Um, it was purely because my, my parents said, uh, you need to play an instrument. We're going to pay for lessons. You can pick whatever pick instrument, but you have to pick right now and just do it. Right. And, and so I was like, uh, so my dad played classical guitar mm-hmm. and I was like, uh, okay, I'll just play the guitar. And so I, that's, I right. did it. They forced me into they, it. They pressure ordered you. Right. You, you were looking at a menu. Was, uh, Which I'll was great. Right. Yeah. Which I, I'm so glad they did, obviously. Right. Um, it's a good thing you chose wisely as opposed to like a tuba. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, maybe I'd be making a living on the tuba. Right. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it it was like, I mean, you asked if music was the pull. Like I kind of, I, music was always just like a side thing that I enjoyed. I was just, I was more into, I was kind of a, a nerdy kid in the sense that I, I was really good at math. Okay. And I did well in school and I always just assumed like my dad went to the Air Force Academy. There's a long period of time where I was like, well, everyone just does what their dad does. So I'm going to go to the Air Force Academy and fly sure. F-16s like he did. Right. But then it oh, took he was, me. A, he, he was an actual pilot. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, which is awesome. That's pretty rad. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was, I presume Top Gun was a regular rotation in the house. I don't know. <laughs> I remember seeing it once and being very disturbed a long time. A long, long time ago. Well, yeah, I mean, especially when Goose dies. I mean, that's that's exactly what I'm yeah. talking. Yeah, that's huge deal. Yeah, spoiler alert for a movie oh, of 25 years. Right. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, um, but yeah. Um. So, so yeah, but you, it, you were you were you were drawn to the 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 stuff that obviously most people are just like I can't get into that. Like, well, math, and it was math is hard. It, like, well, yeah. No, I was not that I was drawn to it. I just saw my dad and I was like, he plays guitar a little bit on the side, and he has a career in this. Um, he has an aeronautical degree. And so I was like, that's going to be what I do. Of course. Right. So I, music was never like remotely on my radar of like, you could do this for a living. Sure. So it was just, Hey, here's something I'm good at. I kind of just like lazily followed it. Just like, this is just what's kind of doing it. Right. It's like um, what what you're dragging along with you and like not in a in a derogatory sense but yeah. just like this it's like I got I got the guitar that It's like the me path around. of least resistance. Sure. It was kind of like uh, I keep getting good grades in math and engineering type things. So it's like yeah, just, sure. And, keep going. And you don't strike me either as ha- like having the the streak of rebellion at all in regards mm. to like pushing against the parents or or doing anything that was sort of outside the you know. No, the the only type of rebellion was I was in high school. I started to realize with the public school system, it wasn't. I realized it wasn't so much here are the subjects you need to learn, but I realized you could. It's really just a matter of figuring out what you don't have to do. So okay. it's like I feel like I was very good at at reading a teacher or seeing how the class went and be like. I don't actually need to do that to get what I need out of this class. Sure. So it was, it was like the level of work I need to put into this, which is, which is still an engineering mindset. Cause you're like, I, sure. I need an A in this class. What's the least, what, what things do I not have to do and still get an A? Right. And I remember specifically there was like a Spanish class and the assignments were stupid easy, right. but I still never did them at home cause I hated doing 
obviously doing homework at home. Right. And she would constantly bust people for quickly doing the assignments before she was coming around. And so I remember doing stuff like I would go up to the desk and be like fake a bloody nose and be like, I got to go to the bathroom real quick. And I'd have the paper in my pocket and just sit on the toilet for a second. Like, right. Do the thing. I was like, I didn't, I spent 30 seconds doing this and I didn't have to worry about it at home. And like, Andy, you got a lot of bloody noses. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, sure. So it's just a, which I think is a valuable lesson. Like, what do I not have to do? Oh, it's so, yeah, it's, it's when you, uh, I mean, as cheesy it is like the, the, the idea of a life hack where you're just like, Oh, like if I do this, like I can, you know, either foster goodwill with the teacher or like whatever to where I will get a benefit of a doubt. I will, like you said, there's less work that you can put in if you can learn how to, you know, like you said, engineer the situation. Right. And so the, uh, as you started to like approach, you know, moving into uh, college and stuff like that, what I presume there was no other path for you in regards to like, you were always going to go to school. Like you were always going to continue yeah. Your education. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I just, I don't even call it the choice of college. Wasn't even a thing. I didn't, because there's you know, the in-state tuition was like it's basically free. It's like okay, sure. I did. I don't. I don't remember really making a decision for a long time. Okay. So it's just like you're just kind of on a path. Yeah. Okay. And it, like the first, the first real decision. I feel like the first real decision in my life was to quit my job, mm-hmm. which was the job was the culmination of this kind of non-decision. And so, um, yeah, it was just like the easy thing was always. And they're, they're all good things. I don't really, I don't regret any of them or think that they were like wrong, a wrong path or anything, but it was just, it was the easy path. There was nothing deliberate about what you were doing. Yeah. That's a better way to say it. Right. Yeah. Which, I mean that it's a very valuable thing to view. I mean, when you're obviously like retrospectively able to like place a, you know, definitive point or whatever and be like, oh, that like, I didn't think about that, but that was like legitimately the first decision like yeah. I made. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a real interesting, cause I mean, some people like, you know, they go through, uh, you know, whatever, two thirds of their life and they realize that it's like, oh yeah, like I didn't make any actual decisions. Like things like, happened right. to me and I reacted, right. but I didn't make a decision. Right. And that's a, that's a powerful, uh, that's a powerful tool when you recognize it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so you, you, you studied computer science or what did you study in school? Yeah. Computer science. Okay. And was that was university of Albuquerque? Is that, a thing, uh, UNM like? university of New Mexico. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 That's right. Aggies. Right. I think. No, that's state. We are the Lobos. Lobos. That's right. I should know that. Yes, you should. I should. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I don't know why you would know that. No, I, I, I like college that. basketball. So you, okay. you guys had an you, okay team. You I think probably so. know more than me about it. Sure, yeah. yeah. I just know the, the mascots that are always, cause okay. usually it's, it's, funny mascots for the most part mm-hmm. like you see santa cruz i think is the banana slugs oh really yeah yeah <laughs> okay yeah there you go you okay you never knew that but um and so <laughs> i pre- i presume like me obviously like since we know each other i know that you have in a you're you're attracted to technology so like yeah. i presume computers were a part of your life from the moment that one was brought in the house yes were you like were you doing computer repairs were you like what were you doing with these um I'm trying to think. I was definitely like, I've, of course, like games were the first thing. Sure. But I also remember. You doing Counter-Strike and stuff like that? Or were you I playing? No. No. It was, uh, I was big into racing games. Oh. Like car racing games. Was it but, Gran Turismo on, on PC? or is that, I was, that more was more a Need for Speed guy. Oh, right, right, um, right. Need for Speed 2 was my jam. Okay. Um, 
but the, I mean, in terms of doing like more the technical side of stuff, like my parents got me the Lego Mindstorm set, which was my first like there where you could program the brain of it. Oh, and then like, yeah, I remember. And then you right. load it into the like infrared thing and it goes into the brain of the Lego thing and the car then reacts how you programmed it to react. Sure. That kind of thing. That's right. So I that forgot was, about those ones. Yeah. So that was kind of my first like programming, going deeper into like doing something with a computer and doing mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Right. Um, and then, I mean... Other than that, in high school, I did, there was just an elective that I took a C++ programming class and immediately surpassed the teacher, who happened to be the football coach who just had to teach an elective. Uh, right. So yeah, he, he, say, didn't, te- he didn't really have an incentive to do... Care. Yeah, so I remember just getting to the point where I was programming my own games just so I could play him, which was just... That's how I... It was fun. Of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're like, I know how to do this now. So. Right. And we had we did all these pranks, too. Like, like the old blue screen of death. Oh, sure. On, so we literally made programs that, oh, this was so great. We we <laughs> we made a C++ program and made a desktop icon that said solitaire and but, and programmed it to look exactly like the blue screen of death. So when you clicked on it and then did like a whole thing, it's like formatting hard drive and like a whole thing that started going across the screen and like left it for the next class. Right. Hoping that they would be like, oh, solitaire got installed or some game or something. Sure. So then they clicked on it and then they thought they're, they were destroying their computer. Right. And couldn't like, teacher, stop. teacher. Yeah. So that was fun. Yeah. That's a nice hack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, um, and so then, uh, like, like you said, the, the passive set before you, you were, um, bringing your guitar along with you as, mm-hmm. as you were, you know, becoming more it, the, I mean, it, it Independent music had started to infiltrate your, your, your brain roughly like in late high school, college as you, you started to get more into like obviously stuff that was not just played on the radio. Right. See, and that, that's been listening to your podcast. I, I'm sort of interested in the definition of independent music. Yeah. Because when you think we we can, we can do that. Well, I just want to, cause I think of it literally independent. Like I think what I do would be considered it because there's literally no one else involved. But then when I think of like people say independent label and I'm like, I feel like that, is an oxymoron. Interesting. I'm like, but that, and so I hear people sign independent labels and like, wait, but that's not, so so what does it mean? The way that I define it, independent is, is a company. And when I say company, like it's like, these are, these are record labels that are still solitarily owned where it's like, you can definitively point to the person and or partners. Uh, I see. So it's technically not part of a corporate entity. Like obviously oh, like, you know, Sony capital, all these things like clearly okay. like they're institutions. They're obviously, you know, corporate, they're not independent. They are major labels. Okay. Whereas like independent labels, like you can run through the list of, of things from all, you know, whatever cranky to, you know, fearless record. Well, fearless is a bad example because they're now owned by <laughs> a corporation, but, um, so many of these labels like that. I, I, I use that okay. term. I use that term very uh, umbrella like because gotcha. partially just because it's like there, there's so many definitions of that term. Yes. Because like you said, like you, you would view it um, as such. Well, that's why, cause listening to your show, people talk about, they throw out label names at band names. Like, I don't know. Right. Like, well, it, 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 I mean, it strikes me too. And like, obviously knowing you better now than I did, you know, a couple of weeks ago where it's like the, there was never, uh, there was never a scene that you plug yourself into. No. And that, that's and that, right. right. And then that, that, 
you would be hearing a lot of these stories that people have as being plugged into a scene when they, you know, started going to shows when they were 15 or 16 years old. And like, you know, you didn't have that experience, right? but music still influenced you in a very profound way Yeah, that, and you kept the, the thing that differentiates a lot of this too, is like you, you kept searching, like you, you weren't just content, like listening to what was on the radio. You yeah. kept digging and digging and finding right. all these different threads. And so anyways, but that's, that's what I would define as independent music. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to include that up. Yeah, <laughs> and so like you, you, you started to dig in high school, and then you started you, you kept digging like as you were going to college. Well, I think, uh, what yeah, what happened? It was definitely college. I was purely just a radio listener in high school, mm-hmm. which I had a great time. As most people as a are, radio yeah. listener. Um, but I mean, the first thing in college is a, a guy gave me. So it was a dredge album was the first thing i was like i don't know what this was is it, it was catch without arms or LCLO it was or? it was lcl it was before catch without arms came out sure um but then what then then i started digging so the like there was no digging until someone gave me a little like nugget and then i was like well that that yeah that's how right. it goes so <clears> then honestly what happened is i got involved on a dredge forum online sure and so people i was like they they were just what else are you guys into? So that I immediately went out. The next albums I bought was Muse and Mogwai together. So it was Origin of Symmetry and Happy Songs for Happy People. Right. Which are both great. Right. You're like, this is gold. Yeah. Like this <laughs> Let's is, keep these recommendations going. Yeah, exactly. So, and then obviously you can follow the trail. A lot of people there, like, the, from there it was like post rock and then ambient stuff. So that's kind of where the trail led right i was like finally because the radio thing in high school was just reactive like oh cool that's a cool song thanks for playing that but this was the first time where i was like okay i want more of this right and actively finding things wanting things sure because yeah yeah, you're you're investing time and i think that that to me that's the most important um uh I guess a uh, habit that obviously mm-hmm. entrenches people to music further because it's like to many people and it's bizarre for us to like, look at these people like music is obviously such a passive thing where it's yeah. like it ha- it happens to them and like, yeah, they can have their favorite songs or their favorite bands or whatever, but it, it doesn't go beyond like, you know, maybe 20 artists that they're into, right. you know, whereas like we're always, diving even yeah. further deeper down rabbit holes where mm-hmm. it's just like we're, we're never satiated yeah and i think that that's the you know that's the difference and that's why it's like you know it's i feel always uh passionate about putting those people regardless of what scene they're attached to or right. whatever it is that they're into in that whole independent music you know yeah. whatever that may mean mm-hmm. um and so then but but you never there was never an inclination of you being like i want to play in a band well i i was in a band in high okay. school do tell, do tell, please, okay. please. Yeah. No, so it was. I I went through a big um, guitar hero phase. Not oh. the game, but like. So Stevie Ray Vaughan was my first. Like I want to be Stevie Ray Vaughan. Then it was nice. Eddie Van Halen. So I just wanted to be a shredder. You're shredder, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yingvei Malmsteen. I got there. Yeah, Steve, <laughs> Satriani and Vi and everything. Of course. Uh, so I was literally in a instrumental blues rock band in wow. high school. That that and that could be that could not be further from cool in high. Like I mean, as far as like in high school. Like, well, what's funny is I was playing all these shows with punk bands and 
people loved us. Oh, really? Like my first show experience, everyone talks about how terrible their first show was, and ours was awesome. Right. Like, we played all the songs we had, uh-huh. and people were like, play some more. And so I turned around, I was like, play let's make, no, no, I, let's make something up. So we just made up a just jam. Did a jam and people loved it, ate it up. And were they, were, these were all kids that like went to high school with you? Or yeah. Like a bit, mm, or they, they were, were like a little bit older? I don't, I don't really remember. It's okay. probably people who came from the other band or whatever. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't but, but the people that you played in the band with were all like your your, your friends. Yeah, the they were all younger than me by a year or two. God. Um, but relatively, yeah. Sure. Um, so yeah, it was like a blues rock jam thing. And eventually, I mean, long story short, I just got so burned out on it. Okay. And I was just... I were just, you just playing guitar for that? Or were you singing at all? Or? So there was no singing, but yeah, just, got it. Okay. just guitar. Yeah, you, you, you hate vocalists, man. I do. <laughs> Yeah, we can get into that if you want. Um, it's useless. Oh yeah, totally. Who cares, man? Who cares? Um, but no, I just got to a point where I, I, I just got so, like I said, burned out on it, and just I don't, I don't feel anything from this anymore. Like the pursuit, I really, for a while, it was the pursuit of I just wanted like, like I said, I just want to shred. I just want to like. Right. It felt like a show off thing, and that just, uh, wore off right very quickly. It didn't. The- and, the ego of the being the, right. the focal point of how good I am at this instrument. Right. That just did not, uh, satisfy me anymore. That pursuit. So I, I just, I remember there was actually now that I'm talking about it, there was a kind of transitional period where I was like, I do want something else from music, but I don't know what it is. Oh, and that's, okay. I remember trying to satisfy it by buying a Jeff Beck album. Okay. <laughs> Which is really weird. Sure. That's and, really but it was one of his really late ones. Like it just like late, uh, mid, mid two thousands album. It was, it was weird. And I, th- and I thought I liked it, but I didn't actually. Right. You were like, I'm, I was I'm like, going to okay. get into this. Cause I told myself, Oh, this is what I needed and wanted. But then I was like, no, it's not. Right. So, and then that's basically the time when the guy in college was like, here's a dredge album. And so that's kind of, it all kind of the sure. period when I did. So, Maybe it was a lie when I said I was wasn't digging at the time because I was. Now that I think about it, right, right, right. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You can retroactively look back at it and be able to place. Wait, those but things. you haven't asked me the key question yet. What's that? You don't know what the question is? No, I mean, I, I know that now that you, you you're read up on me. So you're what? What's the, what's the question what? you've been anticipating? Uh, what, what was the band name? Oh yeah, I mean, I would love to know that. <laughs> I mean, it has. To, I mean, especially because like. Uh, most most people obviously usually start in a terrible you know terrible whatever punk band or like some uh-huh. version of what they're doing. But please, please divulge the name. Okay, so I'll, <laughs> it's so bad. Um, <laughs> but we, we we were all we all had Oakley sunglasses. Oh right, um, Oakley blades. Well, so or- listen, we we all had Oakley, so it was like <laughs> of course the band name has to reference Oakley somehow. Okay, sure. So, um, let me, I'm trying to I'm get, get this right. Um, so there were, there were minutes, there was Oakley minutes. That was a, the style. Okay. And then there was half jackets. Okay. There I, were the two, so that it didn't have the part underneath. Okay. So I had a pair of half jackets. The other two guys had minutes. Okay. So we were the two minute half jackets. Oh, okay. Was, 
I mean, that like I, I would probably have been able to decipher that you you obviously weren't an aggressive punk band. You'd be like, oh yeah, you're kind of a, a jammy band. Yeah, that's that's not bad. I've heard worse. Really? Yeah, it's not. Bad. I mean, it to me the charm about that question and the response is that as long as you can properly identify what the band sounds like via the usual quote unquote terrible band name. Okay. To me, that's the most important thing. Like if you know, it's like if you were like um, you know like government anarchy and you were a blues rock band wait like, but what if i didn't give you the background that it, i didn't tell you what it sounded like and that it was about oakley's and i said two and a half jackets i would never have known that okay. i would never have been able to be like oh you probably which is is that good then so you're just like oh that's kind of weird yeah it is oh, okay i like i mean the granted the context of so, the oakley's makes it funnier so we should get back together then is what you're saying. i I, th- I think you need to bring the band okay. back together i i think there's a bright future in that for okay you. <laughs> That's great, but I know I like I just I, I like that because to, to me that's the most definitive uh, thing about a first band is that you need to sound like what your band name is because okay. you're not you know all you're thi- you're just reacting you're just like what do we sound like oh puke and guts are right, cool <laughs> like well, that's what we are like the sound of silence right or just something antithetical right exactly it's yeah you're you're never you're never gonna be you zig when everyone else is zagging musically it's <laughs> right. like you're like oh we're we're right down the middle man right like, you know we're we're a pop punk band so we're gonna sound like you know you know bubblegum balloons or whatever so. <laughs> That's wow, great band names. Right? Okay, but um, well, I feel better now. Good, I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad we got. Yeah, <laughs> you're like I prepared. I, I I dragged this out of my memory banks. I appreciate that. Yeah. Hey, happy summer so far, right? It's awesome. The sun's out. You get to hang out at the beach with some family and friends and go on vacation. All that other fun stuff, right? That we all do at the summer. How about music, right? Clearly, that's an important part of all of our lives. And I want to tell you about an amazing partner for you to put cool sounds in your earbuds. And what I mean by that is Amazon Prime. Like uh, pe- most people know about Amazon, but do you know they have a entire music division? And it's so incredible because basically if you are a Amazon Prime member, you get this stuff for absolutely free. So well, before I, I dive into why you should pay attention to this stuff is they have a Songs of Summer playlist, which is a playlist exclusive for people who are Amazon Prime Music members. So I dove into this. I was like, you know, I I, I pay attention to music. Like clearly way too much <laughs> than most normal people. But what this list did for me, it was just, I mean, it's like 20, let's see, 36 songs, which is incredible. And it just kind of guides you through. And like, it is a very, very diverse list of bands, you know, from Brandy Carlisle to Sublime with Rome. Like granted, not every song is gonna be for everybody, but the thing is, is it all flows together super well. Basically, it's like the best mixtape that a friend has made for you, and you just get to play it all summer long. Because, frankly, that's what I've done. And I, you know, there are certain bands you obviously hear about, and you just don't check out because of one reason or another. A band called Surfer Blood clearly exists within the context of indie rock. Listened to their track on this summer sampler and was like, yo, I need to get on, on board with all this. And then, I've never heard of a band called The Staves, but they rule and it's all because of this playlist so what you need to do is you need to go to amazon songs of summer.com slash hundred words to listen to the entire songs of summer playlist it was perfect when i was driving around with my family with the windows down driving on pch which is a beautiful drive here in california and i've listened to this in a variety of different circumstances even on an airplane as i'm taking my trips to and from different places it is perfect for you so 
go visit amazonsongsofsummer.com, and that's A-M-A-Z-O-N, obviously, songsofsummer.com slash 100words, and dive in. Listen to it. It's a really, really good playlist. Um, and so then the, uh, yeah, school, college, and then, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I definitely want to reflect on, like you said, when you, you made your first, I guess, actual decision, and like you were working... You were working uh, for a company. I mean, you can obviously explain better than yeah. I can. Uh, so tell me, like that, and that was a that was the job that you got right out of college. Well, so what happened is I was doing the computer science degree, and I got an internship via having a computer science degree at this national laboratory in Albuquerque. That's like the largest employer in Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, so I was an intern for like three summers. Okay. Um, and then uh, once I graduated, it just turned into a full-time job. Sure. But the, the interesting thing about it is that they really normally only hire master's, people with master's degrees. Oh. Um, and I, I had a, um, the guy who was managing the interns was super cool and really pushed hard for them to hire me without a master's degree. Um, I, I, did, I did a semester of... Uh, CS master's degree and then stopped because I got a job because this guy really pushed hard and I th- so there was some foresight because I knew it was like I can't I can't continue to do this I don't want a master's degree right but I need a job so he was and he, he was just really cool and I remember talking to him about music stuff and he just totally understood and got that I really love doing music and right. was just like, and, and I remember telling him, I was like, Hey, I, I'm not going to get a master's degree, but I would like to work here. So, um, either Can I help, well, <laughs> it was either like, if I, I'm, I'm going to not finish my degree. I, you can either hire me full time or I'm going to have to leave because then I, I can't work here as an intern unless I'm going to school. Right. So that was kind of the thing. So he was like, well, Let's find a way to get you hired then. Sure. So he, he wins a bat for you. Yeah, which was awesome, and I actually learned a lot f- from him because he was. I remember having a conversation with him about my music, and I was just like, I can't, I can't not take it as seriously as possible. Like it's turned into more than a hobby, and I, I can't not pursue it to its fullest degree. And he was, he told me he's like, yeah, I'm really into guns. So much so that I make my own bullets for my guns. Wow. And I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> You're like, that's, that's not a, uh, that wasn't what I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. So, he, But it was cool because he was like, yeah, man, if you die, go as far as you can. Right. And he, he wasn't like, well, just do what you need to do and then get to work. Mm-hmm. Just make sure you're working here and whatever. He was just like, do, do what you love. Like I... Right. I love this is what I love bullets for, for guns, <laughs> which is weird. But totally. I was like, wow. I, yeah, I, mean, I like the correlation he was trying to make there. We're just like, wow, that could not be, you know, different like that, that different from what I am doing. But right. thank you for, for trying to pull that, that thread together. Right. Um, and so then uh, the uh, lowercase noises essentially started to exist uh, like at the tail end of college. Yeah. Okay. So, two thousand seven or eight. Okay. Yeah. Is when when you started to create music under that moniker. Yeah. So there's an album I made that I doesn't don't have out 
Sure. It's my very first one technically doesn't exist anymore. Okay. It's, it's, <laughs> it's buried within a hard drive. Yeah. Yeah. Have you destroyed those files? Like, or does it still exist? It probably exists somewhere. Okay. Got it. Um, but yeah. <clears throat> so you, you, but, and you, but you never put that out on the internet. You just basically recorded this yourself and you were, it was on the internet. Um, like on my MySpace page or something. And I, okay. I burned like 10 CDRs for friends. Sure. But that was as far as it went basically. And it didn't even really sound remotely close. Sure. It was, a, it was a, you know, a miniature version of what it was. It was mostly, there was a period where someone, someone gave me a cracked version of Sony acid, the recording software. Okay. And one of my CS friends who was like, dude, I downloaded all this cracked software. I'll give you some. Right. Like, cool, dude. Sure. Um, so I just played her. I was just playing around with it. And you know, it, it's that initial excitement of like, wow, I can record myself. And it's, you mistake the excitement of recording yourself and creating something you assume people are going to be that excited when they listen to it like that. You got to, right. that's like the first thing you got to get over when you make music or record, like that excitement does not transfer. Sure. Right. <laughs> like it is exciting that you recorded yourself and you can now hear yourself back. That is exciting, but totally no one else is going to be excited about that. Right. Right. <laughs> the, the actual process of right. that, like that, that won't impress people. Right. I, I accomplished this. Right. Cool. So it's a lot uh, of other people. Yeah. I listen to recordings all the time. <laughs> totally. of other people. I, I am familiar with the set concept of you recording. Right. <laughs> like that is an impressive in and of itself. Yeah. So it, it took a while. And I think I le- there's that, you know, Ira Glass video that people always talk about, like your taste. Oh, sure. It's that's what's important. So I feel like I, I kind of latched onto that early and was like, OK, this actually is not good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it is fun that I did this, but right. it's not good yet. Right. So <laughs> totally um, that I've, I feel like that's been one of my strengths is being able to quickly learn what was good and what was not right through. Yeah. Like viewed through your lens. Like this is like, I'm, this is, I feel confident that I'm yeah. putting this out there. Yeah. And the, um, and then during, uh, during that time too, like you got married at the tail end of college or like while you were working this job. So let's see what happened. Right. <laughs> uh, okay. So I got, I got married right after I got my bachelor's degree. Okay. It was December. So I got graduated bachelor's December, 2008, got married January, 2009. Okay. Immediately started the first semester of grad school. Sure. Which that, which was followed by the ultimatum of, Hey, hire me full time or I have to go Mm -hmm. and which they hired me. So that's kind of right. So there was one, got married one semester of school after I got married and then went into the full-time job. Then went into the job. Yeah. Um, and so then, uh, as you started to experience this job and started to realize that like, this was not the place for you. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and the, the, the music, obviously you were still creating and it was still building. Like you said, this very, you know, incrementally slow thing. Um, but then, you know, walk me through like when you made that decision in your head, like, all right, well this shit's not happening. <laughs> like, you know, how, how did that kind of transpire? Yeah, there was, I mean, it was, again, like I was talking about the slow burn of my career going upward. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was there was a slow burn in the terms of the realization that I don't actually, because wh- when I got hired full time, I'm like, this is a really good salary. Like, how could I not be happy with this sort of salary? Whatever, because sure. it was it was good. 
Sure. And solid is like sort of a government job. Benefits were good. Like there's no reason to complain. So it took a couple of years to be like, oh, like I, this is, this everything. is not, yeah, this is <laughs> right. Um, so it, yeah, but, and, and so I was never, I, w- it took a, it wasn't long before I quit that I realized one, that I didn't want to do that job for the rest of my life. And two, that music was even remotely viable. Mm-hmm. So the, the graph, the bars kind of crossed each other very close to sure. when that, if that makes sense. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Cause I never started doing music or, or for a long time was never doing it with any thought that I would do it for a living. No. Right. And, um, well, I mean, especially too, because like, you know, everybody hears about, uh, well not hears, but like experiences, obviously the democratization of what the internet does. And obviously the way that you can proliferate, proliferate your music online and mm-hmm. distribute it. And like the, you know, I'm sure it's like once you started to build, you know, a catalog of, of releases and people were paying attention to it, however minuscule that may uh-huh. be, that's still such a far off concept of like, Oh yeah, this is like basically going to be my income. It's like, Oh yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's like the first couple payments that you got from, you know, Bandcamp or whatever it was that you were doing must've been foreign. Yeah. You're like, this is like, I mean, I, I, you understand the concept, the the transactional nature of people paying for music, but I'm sure it was just like, uh, yeah, just bizarre. Yeah. Well, it's like, Oh, I'll, I'll buy coffee later. Right. I mean, you know, it's like, okay. (laughs) Totally. Like it didn't mean anything, uh, versus the time I put into it. Right. I mean, I, I was, of course, appreciative that someone listened to it, but the money, money doesn't matter until it starts piling up and not, it was super piling up. I mean, right. So right. Much Just money. swimming. Uncle Scrooge. Oh my gosh. Swimming. Swimming. In PayPal money. Um, <laughs> no, but just like it, 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 it adds up enough or it, at least for me, it added up enough. It took a while for me to be like, well, I got to pay attention. It, gr- to this. it grew this to this. Like maybe I can do right. this for a living, but and I think that's to my benefit because I almost think, you know, maybe if my friend who gave me the cracked version of Acid, if the first thing I thought was, oh, cool, I want to do this for a living now. Right. Like, I think I don't think I would have done it. It would have sure. been to my detriment. And so that when people ask about my story or uh, how I, I feel bad when people are like, how basically what they're asking is, how can I quit my job and do what you're doing? And I'm just like you're kind of already uh, hurting yourself because uh-huh. I, it, it was to my benefit that I didn't have that mindset. Sure. And so it's hard for me to tell somebody you should not want to do it for a living right. first. Right. You just should do it because you want to do it. Sure. And I, I just think that's a disappointing answer <laughs> when people, uh, you know, if, if that's what they're asking, you right. know what I mean? <laughs> to- you, you'd be like, toil away for 10 years in obscurity or what, you know, some like some thing that's not just like, Oh yeah. Like write a really good song. And then like in two weeks later, you're going to do this thing. Right. It's like, I mean, everybody wants to hear the sort of like, you know, magic bullet solution. Right. It's like, well, that's like, that's not, it's impossible. Like, right. No, I, I could give you a blueprint and you could follow it to a T and you won't get to the same place that I will. Right. Like I'm at. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that it's just, yeah, and so I, then then when then when you made when you made that decision and when you obviously like you, like you said, essentially t- 
took the first real decision in your life and made that step like uh, scared liberating like what what sort of feeling well, were- the interesting thing about it was because through a complete chance friend of a friend of a friend i got offered to do a tour two tours in 2012 with a band called future forestry so i did I did a two week tour in September of that year, which I just took vacation from work. Okay. And that was fine. Um, and and you, then, were, you were playing under your moniker, like you were playing with them, with that. I band? was their guitar player. Got it. So okay. not so sure. lowercase noises. Right. Anything. Um, and then, so I, and then there was another tour in December, a four week tour and I was out of vacation time. So the interesting thing, like I, I said, it was a, the first decision to quit my job, but it was, it was actually in some sense, not a decision because I went to my boss and said, Hey, I need four weeks off now. I know I'm on vacation left, but just do it unpaid. Mm-hmm. That'd be fine. And she was just said, no, you, right. You have to stay here. Yeah. It's like, so it was basically, uh, you can quit the, your job and do it or don't do the tour and keep your job. So sure. it, it, I, I was just like, I can't one, I can't go back on what I committed to future four She's Like I told them I would do the tour. So I, Right, I'm, I'm going to hold up to that. And two, it was just I, I don't think I'd be able to live with myself if I didn't take the chance mm-hmm. and uh, quit and do it. Right. <laughs> so I, I, at least I'm glad I had the foresight to be. You know, I'd rather this fail and know that it failed than just to be wondering, I'm like, man, what if I hadn't have bailed on that tour right i'd still probably be there right now what did your like was this a uh, was this met with like uh, quizzical looks from like your wife your parents being like what are you what are you doing dude well my wife is amazing and was super supportive and we'd already been having the conversation Mm -hmm. maybe a year prior to that like let's try to put some things in place so sometime five years down the road we could shift over to have this be the living because i was already generating income through licensing and through a few different little things that were like, Oh, this is actually somewhat not substantial, but like not jump change either. Sure. Right. Um, so we were strategizing already. Mm -hmm. Um, so she was, uh, has always been supportive and great. The The interesting thing about my parents versus her parents were her parents come from a, her dad went out on a limb with to make a long story short, like sure. made their family basically bankrupt or almost bankrupt and then bounced back uh-huh. to have a crazy successful business. So they basically bottomed out bottom yeah. to top. They had, they've done the whole thing. And so they were very supportive and understanding of like and, a risk. Right. It's like, it's good. We took a huge risk. So it'd be hypocritical of us to be like, no, don't <laughs> right. like, like, you know, and I can look at them and be like, well, you, Right. You did. Yeah, you you did that. It's kind of similar. Right. Right. So they were very supportive. And even to the point, like we want to, we're trying to help you such that your bottom doesn't have to be as low as ours was when you make this happen. So that, sure. That was amazing. And my parents, um, I didn't get it to that extent. Mm -hmm. Um, because I mean, what it looked like was, okay. So we were pregnant with our second child at that time. Sure. So I, I quit. In November 2012, our baby was due February. Um, 
we still owned a house that was on the market. So still paying a mortgage on this house Mm -hmm. that the mortgage was way too high for (laughs) the income. Um, and it hadn't sold yet. Um, that's a, lot, so, yeah, that's a lot of weight on you. And then uh, losing health insurance sure. with a pregnant wife. So it, it, I don't blame them for being like, mm, uh, like this, let's maybe think about this. Right. Let's reconsider. Right. So I, and I, I really tried to honor them and be like, I'm, I did search out some really interesting, like I tried to be like, can I do satellite work for you guys? Like, what can I do to keep health insurance? Right. Like, so I'd really, can I just, how can I keep all this for like, even three months <laughs> totally let's get us to february right let's exactly to two so dates. I, and no, nothing worked mm-hmm. so i was just like i did my best honestly it wasn't even a half-hearted attempt like i really was like how can i maximize and it just didn't work so i was like but i, I, I tried sorry. yeah so right. I, but it it all worked out like we closed on our house like the last day of february like and if we would have had to pay one more month of mortgage i would have been like cleaned out yeah right. like oh that's it man sure this is a bad shop. idea right, yeah. right. <laughs> um so it all just kind of i feel like there's like the airplane where they just touch and go it's like right like, yeah exactly right right um so yeah that was interesting so uh, my parents just didn't have the background to really quite understand it of course didn't have yeah they didn't have all the context and nuance yeah which i don't blame them and they're super supportive and happy now right because it's you know it's been almost four years so right and then we, we and then obviously after after that all transpired and you, you know you were focused on on the the idea that you know you would write musician on a passport or whatever like uh, the, yeah. it would be the appropriate definition of the term yeah um like did the uh i guess what what sort of turning point was there where it was just like oh like because obviously like once you arrive home from those tours and you have to start you know working on songs and all that sort right. of stuff um yeah like i mean walk me through cuz it's such a weird yeah uh it's just a weird process of like all of a sudden where it's like, Oh, I'm showing up to work and I'm just creating these songs. And like, hopefully I'll be able to create enough to to substantiate, like not only, you know, the, the fans that I currently have, but be able to grow and be able to yeah continue that process. So there was actually, I, so I preempted it. So there was a month where I was like, okay, no, I'm quitting, but I still have a month left at work and before I leave on tour. So I literally wrote and recorded and uh, a five song EP in four weeks because okay. I was like, I need to release something now to have like a little bump when I quit. To, right. And it, it was, it was literally like one month's mortgage that it bought me, but it sure. was, it was still just a, a jumping off point mm-hmm. where I was like, I got my butt in gear. I was like, okay, I need to, re- I really need to put something out right now just to have something going. Sure. Um, and then, <clears throat> So that that was great, and that was a well received. That was the passage EP, um, and then I kind of, at that point, kind of put my limbs out and and really just explored every possible thing that could make me money. So I went into, mm-hmm. I was doing a blog on stuff. I was doing instructional courses on doing independent music, okay. and and all this stuff so that it was a period of expanding and seeing what what works and not only what works but what do i like what do i not like what and then how do i reconcile that with what makes money what doesn't make money Mm because um and then you know 
and now I feel like I'm in a period or I have been in a period where I am fine. I've found what works and it happens to be also what I like to do. So I've stopped doing like the blog I was doing and I'm not doing the course anymore. Just as I'm focusing on the music. So yeah, when I quit, I just was purely, and it, it was like more music centric than what, what I was doing before, obviously, but still just like uh, anything I can do at right. this point <laughs> right? Uh, to make, you know, to make money and feed the family that right. I have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Feed, feed all the responsible parties that right. are looking to you to, uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> to, to, to accomplish the bringing home the bacon. Right. Um, and so then the, uh, you know, obviously as, as things started to grow and progress and then like, you know, people were paying attention to what you're doing and you're obviously starting to build a fan base and stuff like that. Um, the, um, because of, uh, one of last two last thoughts I wanted to capture before I let you go. I mm-hmm. mean, before we go to bed, go to bed, <laughs> the, um, uh, w- was the notion that it's like, obviously because of, uh, who you are as a person and how much of yourself that you put out there. Um, and the, the, the notion that people can, you know, say whatever they want to you at any given point on obviously every aspect of social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, th- as you started to feel, uh, I'm sure like you felt vulnerable in, in certain respects. Yeah. Um, like how, how did you wrestle with that as like, you know, when I, and when I say notoriety, obviously I don't mean that in a very, you know, a large sense of the term, but just sure. like, you know, you, you started to carve out your own corner of the internet, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so how, how did you adjust to that, that attention that was, was coming at you? Like, you know, both good and bad, kind of what we were talking yeah. about earlier, but, um, I, I would probably have to say mostly not well, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, I guess regarding, regarding the negative stuff and I, I'm still not great at it, but I just, um, I really have a hard time, especially since basically my entire career is based on the internet and not going to shows and doing like a live experience. I've dabbled in it. I did a tour a month ago, whatever. Right. But for the most part, it's, it's the impersonal internet thing. And I, there's so many aspects to that, but, um, yeah, I, I, I have a hard time with it Mm -hmm. both one, not really believing people who, kind of gush about it and like not accepting the praise but then believing the criticism which is even when i say it out loud i'm like that's it's stupid to do that right um um it's easier said than done though yeah and it's (laughs) so the medium social media and youtube like youtube is the key to my career Mm -hmm. um i mean i couldn't do what i'm doing without those things but the 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 mechanism of those sites um feels lacking to me in terms of the the personal so i i just that's hard because i don't i i like i said i end up discounting the good feedback because i'm like well it's whatever and then the bad stuff i still let it through so that that was hard And, and and i do feel like i was overly i don't know why but i was aware of like I don't want to get a big head ever about this so maybe that was part of not wanting to let the praise in or the good things in sure because I was like you were like safeguarding yourself yeah yeah for whatever I don't really know exactly why but 
um, but then still letting all the negative stuff in. Like, you know, it, and it's it's potentially a valid point. Be like, you're just swelling in a chord with a lot of reverb. Um, do you actually know how to play the guitar? Right. And like, I do, but I can see how that person would think that I don't know how to play the guitar. Sure. That is like kind of like a bummer, and I can't. The medium doesn't let me explain. Like, well, here's what I'm doing, and here's what I have done. <laughs> like, you can't you can't get all that nuance. So it's just kind of it's a bummer that you can't. That that's just always kind of haunted me about the mediums. It's like I just can't. I don't know how to give you everything. Right. The li- there, there. Clearly, there's limitations in every tool that you're utilizing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you feel, um, yeah. I mean, utterly constrained in ways that obviously you you you, you can't express yourself appropriately. Right. Yeah. And that's and that and that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I'm sure you 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 either grow accustomed to the, the way certain things are. And so you're able to kind of adapt and just be like, okay, like that's, that's something that I, I just do and I have to ignore this. Yeah. Like you, you either grow a callus to it or, mm-hmm. you know, you're just able to divert that sort of, you know, thing. Um, but then the, uh, a thread I wanted to pull the last thing I wanted to pull on was the, uh, the idea you mentioned this earlier in regards to, um, people looking for stuff from you, like whether that's, you know, like people reflecting on, you know, the gear that you have reflecting on, you know, your, the career path and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, the, the ability to kind of weed out, you know, the, uh, whatever it is, you're, you're trying to decipher what it is that people are like looking. Right. And you're, um, even though you're introverted, you really do wear your your emotions and your heart on your sleeve, from what mm-hmm. I can tell. Would you agree with that? Yes, my wife would agree with you too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like the, uh, like you, I'm sure, like you get an email that is asking something, and you're whether or not you like want to respond to it at all. Like that, that is a little weight on you. Yeah. Well, because I I feel a responsibility because. Uh, yeah, I want to know what their actual question is. And sometimes, um, kind of like what I was saying when people want to know about how I quit my job or whatever, like the answer, the true answer is not what they want to hear. And that, that weighs on me because, um, you, you ask the question in a different way, but I think I know what you really want. Mm -hmm. And I think that I can't give you what you really want. So like, I feel like I'm in a lose lose situation. Like I can lie to you potentially. Right. I I could just give you the face value answer that I actually don't think is going to help you. Uh Or I could give you the real answer that I think you're going to be disappointed with. Right. So, I mean, to, to be, I guess to give a more clear example, like someone says, what, what was your settings on that delay? Mm -hmm. And I I think what they really want to know is how can I do it? How can I sound like you? Mm-hmm. Which is a legitimate question, but okay, I could one be like, "Yep, here's the setting," but I don't think that was actually helpful because it, if the real question was, "How do I get a sound like that?" Mm-hmm. It's about far more than the delay setting. But I, I don't. If I said, "Well, yeah, I know you asked for my delay setting, but uh, it's about far more than the delay setting." Like, sure, they're gonna you be like, sound oh, like a pretentious well, asshole. Come right? on, dude. Yeah. <laughs> So I feel like I get in a lose-lose situation. Right. So, because I, but it is because I really want to give the right answer to people. Mm -hmm. I'd like to, 
you know, you took the time to ask a question. I'd love to be able to give you a helpful answer, but I don't know what it is. Right. Sometimes. But you're, uh, to me, that strikes me too, like not like poking holes in your approach to this, mm-hmm. but the idea that you're, um, rather than like the providing the right answer, provide it, provide an answer. Like, and I'm not saying that you don't do that, right? but just that, that notion of you're, you maybe are placing, you know, whatever the proverbial cart in front of the horse where you're just like, you're, because you are a thoughtful and obviously introspective mm-hmm. and you, you think about these things, like you're, you're dissecting a person's sentence. So you're like, yeah. you know, I mean, the fact that you say, what do you truly mean? Right. That most people don't go there. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. And so the, there, there is an aspect of like, well, maybe, you know, maybe it is simply so like, yeah, you're, you're probably, you're probably correct. There are a lot of people that, you know, there's the, the underlying premise behind right. what they're trying to get mm-hmm. at. Um, but it's just, it, it is an interesting notion of like that, that completely indirectly, not only, uh, is, is reflective of your music, but it's reflective <laughs> of like who you are as a person. Like someone yeah. asking a question, be like, okay, hold on. Oh gosh. I don't want to mess this up. Like, let me, let me, let me write a seven minute expansive song about this particular right. thing. Give me, give me 10 minutes with two chords uh, and I'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, I'll be able to get to the bottom of what it is that you're actually, uh, right. you're, you're actually uh, attempting to, to uh, ask. But I, I just, I mean, the reason that I'm harping on this is because it, yeah. it's, or that I'm, I'm speaking about it is because I find it so interesting. Like the, the, these essentially the, the one man unit that you are mm-hmm. is there's, uh, there's a lot more weight that gets carried because you are the only person responsible for this. Like the, uh, yeah. a, a band, the, the responsibility gets diffused amongst yeah. other people, you know, like whatever managers, record labels, all that sort of stuff. And, but like, there's no luxury for you to, to rely on that. There is not. That's <laughs> there's, correct. There's, there's, there's no, <laughs> yeah, no, there's not a question there. There's no, there's no <laughs> mechanism for you to be able to like fall back on it. And that's why I just think is interesting for uh, people to hear because a lot of the, uh, I mean, the common tr- path and trajectory for most people is like, oh, I play, I play an instrument, so I'm going to play in a band and then I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And like, you know, whatever, beside a record label, I'm going to go on tour. I'm going to do all these things. And you, you've, you know, you've sidestepped all that. Right. And I, it's just not common. People don't hear about it. Right. People don't hear about that experience. Like people hear, or, or it, if they do, it's some, um, you know, really like, uh, whatever charming story of like, you know, like I was joking about earlier where it's like, you know, you're, you're this recluse that lives in the middle of the <laughs> desert in Albuquerque, which like right. the, there, there is some truth to that statement, yeah. but like you're, you're a normal human being that likes yeah. to create cool music. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Right. And I just, I, I find it so, uh, yeah, I just find it, I, I, obviously I find it intriguing. That's why I'm talking to you. But the, uh, yeah, just that, that, that notion of, you can't like you, you and you can't be normal, you know, like, do, I mean, do, do people assume that you are like, there's, there's something, um, inherently like just kind of off by the fact that it's like, Oh, like, why don't you want to play with anybody else? Like, or, or I mean, or is that yeah. just feedback that you don't ever see? Because obviously people are probably not going to email you. Wait, can you, can you repeat the question? <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. There, <laughs> I, there's very long winded, but the, uh, like that, that people, uh, pro- inherently place the, uh, idea that there is something uh, not like wrong per se, but just like, uh-huh. Oh, why, why don't you, why don't you play by most of the r- rules that other people do? Like, yeah, I feel like, well, I mean, I guess the answer is 
uh, I mean, I've only ever done what I wanted to do. So that that's, I, I like, I have a hard time with critics and struggling with the medium, but when people, that thing I don't really struggle with because I'm very aware of the only reason you so that I've had any success at all is because I only did what I wanted to do. So it'd be stupid for me to change that. And it'd be stupid for me to be affected by someone who's like, Oh, that's really weird. Why are you doing it that way? I'm like, well, it's worked. Sure. Uh, so I don't, I, that for whatever reason, whatever mental thing I have, that one doesn't bother me. Right. Does that answer your question? No, it absolutely does. Okay. Because the, the, your, your phone, Ultimately, you're just focused on creating what you want to create, right? And that—that that, I mean—that's a liber- that's the most liberating thing that anybody can obviously do, right? And I'm very protective of that because I know the moment I stop doing something because I want to do it, that's when it's gonna. the The irony is that people will be like, "Man, can you can you do an album like this again? Can you go back to this?" Mm-hmm. And the irony is, is I made the album you like because that's what I wanted to make at the time. And you're telling me to stop doing the thing that made you like me in the first place. Right. So I'm for whatever reason, I'm very aware of that and it's easy for me to dismiss realize when people are doing that and be like, Oh, sorry. Right. Yeah. There's a time and a place. <laughs> yeah. Like you can keep listening to that old album if right. you want. If that. Yeah. Gl- glad you caught it. Like I'm yeah. glad you came along. Yeah. But I, I, this is, I just, I'm doing what I want to do and you can jump off if you want or whatever, but that's why you're here in the first place. <laughs> right. No. I, and yeah, that's, that's a, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, that's just, like I said, it's a really liberating thought. So. Yeah. Well, this is, I, I, I hope you feel satisfied with the, uh, the line of questioning. It I do. Wasn't, it was not, I, I tried to divert from all of the, uh, yeah. you know, maybe the tropes that you were, uh, you, you were used to. So I tried to, uh, yeah, keep it nimble. No, this was great. I really appreciate you pour, pour, pouring things out in ways that you maybe haven't in the past. No, I appreciate you pulling things out of me that haven't been pulled out in the past. That's good. We're, we're pulling things out of each other. Okay. <laughs> that sounds disgusting. In this hotel room. <laughs> all right. That was Andy and uh, pretty pretty deep discussion right uh i want to mention that we actually did this in our uh hotel room (laughs) we we got a hotel room together uh up in seattle we were traveling for some work related ish stuff and um yeah we decided to uh, split a room and then on the final night before we both departed one another i was like let's do this podcast bud and he was like you know what that sounds like a great idea even though he hasn't really contributed a ton of interviews in the in the uh, as far as the uh, the podcast long form stuff is concerned um because obviously as you have heard with the interview that we did he's like you know i i don't really like to do a lot of interviews because a lot of my stuff gets taken out of context and you know he's not trying to play too cool for school he's basically being like you know i i this is my medium and i believe in this medium more than i do the you know random person talking to me about my about my guitar pedals so anyways thank you very much andy i really appreciate it and i I'm glad I got to know you over this conversation and many subsequent conversations. Um, 
Next week is going to be a uh, fun show, as they always are. Uh, this one is uh, a little left of center because most of you will probably have no idea who this person is. Um, Lee Overtree. He does an amazing podcast called Story Pirates. And Story Pirates is something I tripped into because uh, my five-year-old son, uh, you know, he wants to listen to podcasts and I got to find kids' kids podcasts. Um, so more on him next week, but it, he basically has a uh, long history with independent music and uh, sort of DIY culture. And he took that and applied that to uh, something that he is passionate about, which is theater. And uh, it's a great story. So anyways, next week will be that show. And you, please be safe, right? Or no, be safe, everybody. That's what I say, right? (laughs) Anyways, be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.